and um, when you get to read the Bible by yourself. So uh, the first thing is on the teaching side. Jesus says, have an ear to hear. And he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what God is saying. What is he saying? What is he saying? Um, and whenever you hear it, try to, try to put it in a place where you can remember it. You can remember it, where you can recall it. All right? So um, you can use your phone in the notes section uh, or bring pen and paper. Or I remember when I was, when I was growing up and uh, I really started experiencing the, another level of conversion. Uh, I mentioned before I got born again when I was 11. My dad led me to Jesus. And then through my teenage years, you know, there were waves of, of hearing God and learning how to understand him. And um, when I got my early 20s, it's actually when Pam and I met, um, and we just started going after God hard. And so I used to carry a highlighter for my, my Bible because I knew that I was going to hear something in teaching that I was going to need to underline. Because, you know, that's what you do when you're, when you're trying to remember something. Man, I got to highlight that. Or be able to write a little note in the margin. Now we have, you know, such great technology in our world. And we have version Bibles and all other, you know, types of ways to read scripture. Um, it's great, and it's good that it's now available for everybody. And there's so many translations. You know, you're going to hear me read uh, today. Years ago, I only read out of King James. And King James is always... My base, King James, and the Amplified Classic of the King James because it amplifies words in it. It's just beautiful color. Um, but there's so many other translations. Uh, we're going to read out of NLT today in New American Standard. But, but with the technology, I have to go a little bit further when God's talking to me because I can't just write in the margin anymore and I can't use my highlighter because I don't always carry with me, you know, just a regular bounded leather, soft or hardback. And so if you are with that and you've got a Bible that it's a physical Bible, you know, that you carry with all the pages, please write in that. <laughs> she held her Bible. She's like, I'm old school. Um, get a pen, make notes. I led a guy to Jesus when, when, I was, uh, when I went back to a, a business, a company that I used to work for, and I had been living for Jesus while I was at that company, and then when I left, um, I came back for something, and this guy, this guy, you know, pulled me. He said, Terry, can I walk down the elevator with you? I said, yeah, I could go down the elevator. We went, we we're going down. He says, Terry, I gave my life to Jesus. I said, what? He was freaking out. His name was Rob Fontel. Rob's a pastor today in Philadelphia, doing amazing things for God. Huge church on Roosevelt Boulevard. And we got down, I was ready to get in the car, and he says, I said, well, Rob, you got a Bible? He's like, no. I was like, um, and I was looking around, and I found this red Bible in the car, and find it, it was there, it's always there, because we travel back and forth. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'm like, here, man, take this, cherish it. And, you know, again, he was a young Christian, and, and not because of me, but God can use us at any time, just like with, with, uh, with David was praying this morning. David did such an amazing job praying this morning. Will you honor Dave for, for his faith coming up and leading us in prayer? And he said that river should build so much in us that we touch people everywhere we go. So I gave him that Bible, gave uh, uh, 
Rob that Bible. And um, we got home, and, um, and I was telling Pam all about Rob, you know, give his life to Jesus. And I said, yeah, and I gave him your Bible. She was like, what? Because <laughs> that was the Bible that she had so many notes in. <laughs> she had so much stuff written in it. But, um, but that's, how, that's how it should be if you have that kind of Bible. If you don't, then take out your note section. Take out your note section and, you know, put on the top of it, Altar Moments Part 2. Altar Moments Part 2. That's the title of teaching today, Altar Moments Part 2. And you see the scriptures that if we don't get to all of the scriptures today, then um, we want you to be able to go home and read them again. Read them again. Read them again. You know, in Mark chapter 4, there's a passage called The Sower and the Seed. And Jesus is given a parable. And he starts off giving a parable about this, you know, it says, you know, a man went out to sow and, you know, the sower went out to, see, to sow and he threw um, some seed. And some of it went on good ground and then some went on uh, stony ground. Some of it went and fell on thorns. And then some, uh, the birds came and ate up. And, and he said uh, afterwards, um, when he was by himself, told this whole parable, you know. And the guys came back and said, Jesus, what the- What's the thing you were talking about? Seed and sowing and birds and thorns. And Jesus said, well, you don't get that? He said, well, how have you been getting anything that I'm saying? And then he says, unto you is given the mysteries of the kingdom. And that's not to set you apart. It's like, oh, yeah, God only talks to me. No. It's saying that God wants to say some things. But they're hidden from those who think they don't need it, those who have a hardened heart. And he's really, you know, giving a prophetic word that was said in Isaiah. And if you read the Isaiah passage that I have listed, Isaiah 6, 1 through 8, when it goes on after that, it says they'll have ears, but they won't be able to hear. They'll have eyes, but they won't be able to see or understand. And he quotes that later on in Mark chapter 4, when they came back to him and said, Jesus, what was that parable about? He says, ah, unto you it's given to know, because you desire more. Everybody say, Lord, I desire more. Excuse me, desiring the more isn't just to give you a big head. You have to be careful in that, because knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. And so you always want to make sure that if I'm hearing it, I'm hearing it in response to the love that God has for me, that I have for him, and the love that I have for those around me. So love builds up. But you still have to hear, and you got to understand, and you got to have wisdom. So what do you do? When we read scripture today, and when you read scripture at home, always say, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Lord, what do you want to say to me? Even these 21 days as you've been reading the Bible more and, you know, you've been spending time in devotions more. Don't just read to say, oh, I read my Bible today. No, read it. And then say, Lord, what do you want to say to me about this? What do you want to say to me? And um, there's going to come a time in February where we'll, we'll teach on that. 
how to hear God's voice, and it's going to be in every way. So today, when I'm teaching, he said, whoever has an ear to hear, let them hear. Listen, be attentive. And the enemy is going to try and distract you to where you start thinking about dinner, <laughs> you start thinking about the game, how somebody got on your nerves. He's going to have you look and say, I can't believe that person's wearing that. Look at that. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. It's going to like randomly try and come to your mind. Folk, try and focus. Try and focus because you want to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Um, so uh, Ezekiel chapter 47, altar moments part two. And if you want altar moments part one, you can go back and look at last week's, last week's teaching and just see how that was introduced. And really, it's all flowing because the week prior to that, Pastor Paul is teaching when it comes to expansion. And, and so it's all, it's all a beautiful flow. And um, one of the passages that we've been, re we've been using has been Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47. And normally I would read it, but I want to I want to read a couple other passages. But please go home and read it. And when you read it, say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me about this? What are you trying to get across to me? Uh, the picture of Ezekiel 47 is this prophet is taking this person through the temple. And he's taken to the doors of the temple, and the temple is filled up now. <clears throat> And water is coming out of the different doors, the access points to the temple. And when it does, it flows out into the street. That's what, that's what uh, David was praying this morning. It flows out into the streets. First, the temple uh, in, De in uh, early December, and then last week, and as we continue to talk on Wednesday nights, um, we've been talking about how there are three temples. I'm a temple. The house that I live in physically, whatever the address is that you reside, that's a temple. And then this place here is a temple. And so he says, he says, can you look and see what's going on? This guy started measuring the amount of water that was coming out of the temple. And I will tell you, the, the water represents the Holy Spirit. It represents the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God isn't just to give you a feeling. Ooh, Spirit of God. No, he, he's amazing. There's God the Father, there's God the, the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, man. It's interesting, he's the tender, the tender one of the three. That's why they protect him. That's why they protect him. Jesus said, people can say anything they want to say to me. The Father said, say anything you want to say to me. But, man, you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, that's heavy duty. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, Paul, when he's talking to a church that was in Ephesus, he says, don't grieve him. Don't put out his fire. And even though there's a tenderness there, and thank God for the tenderness there, because we wouldn't be able to really handle God talking to us. The Holy Spirit is sort of our translator. When John was on the Isle of Patmos and all the other disciples and the apostles died, just, you know, all different kinds of deaths, horrible, horrible deaths, died by sword, stoned, um, you know, hung upside down, you know, beheading. But John, 
he was banished to the island of Patmos. And while he was there, and listen to this, he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And then he wrote 20 chapters. That's a journal of all the things that God was showing him prophetically. And at one point he says, when he began to speak and he saw, he saw the Lord, he says, when he began to speak, it was, the, it was like the sound of many waters. And sometimes I'm talking to, to Pam on the phone and she might be in the kitchen. And when she turns the water on, it's just like, shh, like that. I'm like, honey, can you turn the water off because I can't really hear you. And that's nothing. That's, that's nothing. John was saying, when he spoke, it was just so strong, so loud. So, it's like, wow. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Because he's the one that translates. In fact, he is the shepherding spirit. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, it comforts me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we think about that, and we think about Jesus walking with us with the staff. Well, he is like that when he's on the earth, but the reality is the Holy Spirit is the shepherding spirit. He's the one that takes from the Father and from the Son and gives it to us. That's why Holy Spirit is everything. And when you are reading scripture and where you're hearing text and when you're hearing revelation, say, Holy Spirit, what, do you, what is the Father saying? Because he's the one that's going to communicate with you. And you find that in St. John chapter 14 uh, through 16. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit the whole, the whole time. The whole time. And so when we talk about the, 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 the rivers coming and flowing, coming up in the temple and then flowing out, we're talking about now the Spirit of God is coming out. And I want you to know what the Spirit of the Lord is for. Jesus gave it in... Luke chapter 4, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then he says this beautiful word, because. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because. Because. I am anointed because. And he gives the groups, the blind, the bruised, the broken, the poor. They're groups, and the groups represent the reason, which is why Jesus said, when I come back, when the, when the master comes back, there's going to be a separation from sheep and goats. The sheep are going to be the ones that, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you came to see about me. When I was sick, you took care of me. Why? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because. That's, that's right. Because. And so when you say, hey, spirit of God's on me, or I'm anointed, 
the first thing I'm going to ask you is, for what? What is your because? Well, you know, I can sing like nobody's business. Okay, but that's not part of the category. I can really, really preach. That's not part of the category. What does the Holy Spirit do? It says he removes burdens and he obliterates yokes. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And so if that's not happening, then you're just using him for the feel-good part of it. And we don't want that. I mean, we can enjoy that part. I absolutely love it. But, you know, when, when, um, when Stephen was singing, you know, Jehovah Jireh, it wasn't to say, oh, man, I really love his voice. Or, wow, do you hear the way he's playing the piano? Oh, did you hear that riff he did? He went, Joe Vagira, ooh. <laughs> so, ooh, man. There's <laughs> got to be more than that. What he is singing ushers in the anointing, ushers in the power of the Spirit. And now those who are hearing it can get free. When we sing this song, Jehovah Jireh, it's now supposed to break that yoke in my life where I was bound up because I had a, a poverty situation. I had a lack situation, but I found the name of God in the song that says Jehovah Jireh interpreted my provider. So now I can stand in faith with that picture and that yoke can be broken. That burden can be removed. So it goes more than just the feel good. And that's really why this river came out of the temple. The river didn't stay in the temple. The water didn't stay in the temple. It went out of the temple. Out of my temple, for those that are around me. Out of the temple in my house, for those that are in my neighborhood. Out of the temple here, for those that are in this community. It's never supposed to stay with us where we're having conference after conference and, and you know, we're just, we're just hopping from conference after conference. Oh, there's another conference over there. What, what happens when you get over there? All Christians just hanging out. Bless one another. Bless one. It's so good. There's another one next week. Go over to that one. Wow, boy, this great conference. And even Sunday services. Oh, Sunday. Great. Lord's Day. Can't wait to see my friends. Wonderful. And I enjoy being here. I enjoy being around everyone. I've met so ama some amazing people here with the Spirit of God. And so when I'm looking forward to coming, I want to see Ed. I want to see Stephen. I want to see Julie and the other Julie and the other Julie. Or Dino and the other Dino. <laughs> but when we leave, just like that river, it should come out of the temple and we should carry the same grace of God for the blind, the poor, the broken, the bruised, the captive. And so that's what Ezekiel 47 really is all about. And he measured it. He says, first it came up to my ankles, oh, then it came up to my knees, and we kept going a distance, and each time they'd measure ankles, knees, went another distance, waist, went a little bit further and realized, wow, River is so, it's so high around here. 
And then it began to describe that it went from the temple and this river, since it is talking about the very life of God, the very spirit of God. I mentioned that before, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When I was a little boy, I used to think that it was limited to living forever. You accept Jesus and you'll live forever. But that's not 100% accurate because everybody's going to live forever. What you choose when you accept Jesus is where you live forever. And so I found out that that, that spirit, that when, when he says, so have everlasting life, he's talking about the life of God. It's the life of God. Whoever believes in Jesus gets the life of God. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, this guy, this religious ruler, for those of you who don't know Nicodemus, is the, the third chapter of St. John's Gospel represents this, uh, defines this, this conversation that he was having with this guy. And he's like, I know you come from God because you're doing these miracles. Nobody could do that unless God was in him. And Jesus said, all right, let me cut to the chase. You need to be born again. And so he said, how are you going to get born again when you're old? How do, you, how do you get back into your mother's womb? He says, no, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. So we're talking about being born again of the Father. And so whoever gets born again of the Father gets the life of God. The Greek word is zoe. A few weeks back, I had some kids up here. We was praying for them. The girl, second girl, uh, second or third girl in the end, little kid. Second or third girl in the end, I said, what's your name? She said, Zoe. It's like, oh, do you know what that means? So we have the life of God. So when I walk around, man, I'm, every now and then I put my hand on my chest and say, Father, thank you that in me is the very life of God. It's the life of God. It's the life of God. And so when that life goes, it says the guy who was talking to him in Ezekiel 47, he says, now watch what's happening. He says, are you watching? First it went to the ankles, and then it rose up more, and it rose up more, and it rose up more. It's the Holy Spirit. What are you trying to say in this passage? It means that we should be flooding the earth with the life of God. It shouldn't just be in the temple. It shouldn't just be a trickle. That's why every chance I get, I want to I bring the life of God into Home Depot. And so strategically, I began to say hi to people. I began to get to know certain people because I know at some point God's going to have me say something to them that's going to bring life. And that's why he needs all of us. It can't be come to my church. I want you to meet Pastor Paul. It can't be that. Can't be come here the worship team. Can't be come meet my friends. No, the life of God can happen and it's not 1030 to 12 or or whatever, on a Sunday. The life of God can be happening 24-7. So that guy went measuring. He went measuring, 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 measuring. And he said that, that river, this is the beautiful now, that river went into the Dead Sea, and it made dead things in there come alive. So now any person, A, who doesn't have the Spirit of God, is not in contact with Jesus, doesn't have the, the, the Father's uh, life and heart and insight. God's sending you. He's sending you. He's sending you. Out of you comes that river. At one point, Jesus walks into the middle of the temple, and he screams out as loud as he can. He says, whoever is thirsty, come to me. 
and you will get rivers of living water. And right after it says they did not understand that he was talking about the spirit. So he says it's going to go into that river, it's going to go into the Dead Sea, and life's going to come. Which is why on your job, don't just go and leave and go and leave and you don't talk to anybody. There are broken people, there are bruised people, there are captive people. People, th- people you know, contemplating suicide. People with confusion about what do I do? I've got issues with my children, I've got issues in my marriage, what do I do? People who, are, who, who need resources and, and they're not going to say anything to anybody. And so God sends you and he sends you representing another one of his names is Jehovah El Roy. You know what that means? He's the God who sees. There's a lady who was walking up and down my street. I was in the back on my lawn and I've been seeing her walk. Every morning she's walking, she's walking, she's walking. And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go and talk to her. And so I'm, now I'm listening. Okay, how, do you, how are you going to set this up? If you, gonna, if, you wanna, if you want me to have a woman at the well moment, then you're going to have to set it up. And so it's going, it's going, it's going, you know. And uh, every day she's walking back and forth, walking back and forth. This particular time I'm out on the edge of my property and she walks by and she, we make eye contact. And I said, hang on for a minute. And so I went down there and I said, hi, I see you walking, you know, all the time. What's your name? She told me her name. I said, wow. And then, risky now, risky. And I've developed it, you know, because I used to be the shy guy. Trust me, if you knew me as a teenager, if you knew me, if you knew me at 21, you'd say, there's no way. <laughs> but God takes you through a process and he uses people. Like Pastor Paul was saying about Pastor Kathy, thank God for Pastor Pam. Because if it wasn't her pouring into me, I wouldn't even be doing things like this. But God wanted it, so he sent the right person to make sure. So at any rate, I'm there talking to, to this person, and then all of a sudden I start hearing something. And I know at this point how he sounds. And I just started building her up. Started building her up, encouraging her. Remember, Holy Spirit comes to do three things. Encourage, edification, and comfort. So the words that I say, they have to be flavored and saturated with that. So when I said it, just building her up. And man, she starts just broken, crying her eyes out. Just I'm like, okay, all right. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, all right, this is good. That's a good sign. I must be saying the right thing. When we got to the end, She's like, thank you so much. I said, no, no, no. This has nothing as much to do with me as much as it does the Father. He's the God who sees you. Here's another (laughs) group of tears coming out. Because there are people who think that nobody sees them. And God's looking for vessels. So he measures it. He measures it, and then it goes into the, into the Dead Sea, and then he says it's going to make all of it. So that's Ezekiel 47. Spend some time reading Ezekiel 47, and after you're done reading it, say, Holy Spirit, what are you going to say to me? We always have to do that. Don't read for quantity. Read for quality. 
Now, if you're in that place where you say, you know what, I really, I'm on this journey to read through the Bible in a year, fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Go through whatever passages you want to get through through the day, but don't let that be the only reason you're reading the Bible. You want to read for quality. In other words, I want to hear his voice. I want to know what the Lord is saying to me. And remember, knowledge puffs up, so you always have to be on edge because your flesh is always going to say, wow, I knew something. Nobody ever knew that. Man, wait till I get around my friends. I'm going to say something. And all of a sudden, you're just waiting to throw that card out. You're waiting to play that card. <laughs> well, I don't do it for that. One of those passages I gave you was out of John chapter 8. And Jesus said, I only say what I hear the Father say. And I only do what I see the Father do. And then right after that, he says, if you continue to follow me, you'll be just as disciplined as I am. Because he says, you'll be my disciples. A disciple is a disciplined one. He's a follower. So when I'm doing, I'm doing the same thing he does. And he says, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And that freedom is for you. But then it's also supposed to go on. Yeah, let's look, it's right up there. Let's read that. Uh, go back a little bit to, uh, to 28. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own initiative. What does that mean? I don't do anything of myself. Now, in, the, in that pas those passages of Scripture in St. John chapter 14, 15, and 16, and Jesus is about to leave the planet, and he's telling the disciples how to live when I'm not here anymore. He says, I won't leave you comfortless. Or in other words, if we'll add Ezekiel 47 into that, he says, when that river begins to go out into all the other places, like the river goes through me out into all of these places, the Bible says he was preaching the kingdom everywhere he went. He says, when that happens, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. Because the disciples are like, you're, you're going away. What, what, what? Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to pray the Father. And the very spirit that's on me, he's going to put on you. And look at what he says. He says, he says uh, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you'll know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak those, these things as the Father taught me, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. We we're talking about words a minute ago. Now look at what he says. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. So he's talking about himself. He's like, I only say what the Father says. And I only do what I see him do. A few weeks ago, and even last week, I was talking to you about using your imagination. You're going to have to cultivate your imagination if you're going to be part of the river of God flowing out of your temple, your house temple for your neighborhood, or here. You're going to have to get to the point where you can hear his voice and where in your imagination you can see. You can see that person being restored. Well, Pastor Terry, what if I do it and nothing happens? That's not your job to make it happen. That's why when people ask me to pray for, for healing over their bodies, I'm not, Angela! nope, I don't have to do all that. I, that's not my job. My job is, Father, I thank you that you hear me and that you always hear me. I learned that from my Lord. 
before he raised Nazareth from the dead, he knelt down and he says, Father, I thank you that you hear me and that you always hear me. And then you go in and you practice and you practice and you practice and you practice. That's why I told you a couple weeks ago when, when that stuff happened to me with, with breathing, yeah, we're going to go and get checked out. But the first thing, <laughs> the first thing Pam did was come over to me and put her hand on my chest and begin to release God's healing power. She says, oh, you one of those? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you're going to need the Holy Spirit for the broken people that are in your neighborhood, in your community, on your job, and in this community. You're going to need that. But it's not you, it's the Holy Spirit walking with you, showing you things, saying things. Why did that girl start crying? Because it was the Holy Spirit. Oh, Pastor Terry, you anoint. No, no, no. Everything is of the Holy Spirit. Even the ability to understand scripture. So if you're reading the Bible and you're not asking the Holy Spirit to break it down to you, and if you don't have another Christian that you can say, hey, I thought the Holy Spirit was showing me this. Does that sound right to you? That's why you can't be a lone ranger Christian. You got to have people. You got to have people. This is how you grow. This is how you develop. So one of the biggest things that, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it on Wednesdays. Please, please come on Wednesday and please continue with the fast. I'm going to give you a passage of scripture in Galatians. It says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we don't faint. Translation of that is quit, cave in, give up. Don't get tired of it. Don't get tired of it. We're going to unpack some more of, of this on Wednesday, but I want to let you know, uh, one of the things that's important for this is how does the river get into the streets? It first has to fill the temple, and this is a process of ongoing death. Mm. Death. If I'm not dying every day, then sacrifice isn't being offered. And if there's no sacrifice, then there is no... <laughs> There is no fire because sacrifice attracts fire. Let's hear what you're talking about fire. I'm talking about the very glory of God that we need. We need the glory of God. We need him to come. If that doesn't come, our world is doomed. But we got to try to get a bunch of people in the church. No. No. You get them in the church because you want them to experience family. He says he has taken the broken and placed them into family. It's doomed if every Christian isn't partnering with other Christians to own this and to go and reach those. Let's not drive down our street, past all of the houses to come here. And then when we leave here, we drive back, go past these broken houses into our own house. Ooh, I love being home. But there's a whole community around you 
that needs the very power and love of the Spirit of God. And so I want to encourage you, make sure that sacrifice is there so that you can get the power and you can get the light. And I'm not talking about, you know, that, like that show, one of my favorite shows that came on years ago is this show called Heroes. Anybody ever see Heroes? No? I never saw Heroes. Man, that was out in 2006. Well, anyway. And it's these guys that, all these people had these extra abilities, you know? And there's this one guy, man, his name was Peter Petrelli, and he had, you know, he, he had stuff in his hands. He could actually get any of the powers, but he had this power. And sometimes we think the Holy Spirit's like that. It's like, I got the power. That's why we yell and scream, God, go, God. Mm. Now, there are times when you proclaim, and it takes a little bit more, but spiritual wickedness can hear your voice even if you whisper. They know who's there. And they know, they know who has been offering sacrifice on the altar. There's a, there's a guy, he had, uh, he had these sons, and they were trying to buy the power of God in the book of Acts. And, uh, and they went to try and drive spirits out and do stuff. And man, they were like, we know Peter, we know Paul, we don't know you. And those forces jumped on them. See, Pastor Terry, that's why I don't be trying this stuff, because I don't want nothing to jump on me. You don't have to do it that way. Live in a state of sacrifice. Live in a state of humility. Live in a state of repentance so that the, the power of God can be on you all the time. How do I live like that? Be nice to your wife. Let the spirit of God be on you when you're talking to your husband. Take care of your children. Honor your children. Children, honor your parents. See, this is the, this is the basics of it. And last week, we, we, we ran to the altar. We had an altar moment. And we're going to have another altar moment today. And just in, the, in a couple minutes, I'm about to close. We're going to have an altar moment. Why do we keep having these altar moments? Because it is a picture of practice to form a habit. We should be having and living in daily sacrifice. Let's look at this last scripture that I'll, that I'll give you for now. Last scripture, Romans chapter 12. I read this to you last week. We read it again, um, and we'll, we'll pick up on some of this on Wednesday. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I'll stop at verse 2. And so it says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. In other words, let what you do come out of gratitude. Don't let it be on performance. When I was a little boy, I lived on performance. So that every time I came to the altar, I was coming out of fear. And so things would get highlighted. But now when I come to the altar, I come realizing, Lord, I want to I give my life to you as a sacrifice fresh. It's an altar moment. It's an altar moment. And that's what got me out of the habit of, of feeling like even as I became a, a, you know, a, more, a more mature Christian, and that spirit of pride and and the spirit of embarrassment would try and get on me, where the guy would say, hey, come to the altar if you want a fresh, a fresh decision for God. And he said, no, don't go up there. They're going to think you're a sinner. And I began to learn, man, going to the altar, whenever there's an altar, I want to go to the altar. I want to go, I want to run to the altar. 
Because I never want to be at a place where now I'm living based on me and my performance. And yeah, I used to be bound up with this stuff, but then I learned how to do it. No, 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 no. I used to be bound up on that stuff, and I got delivered, and then daily I submit myself to him so I can stay delivered. And I walk with boldness, not because of me, but because of the one who is in me and who's on me. So daily sacrifice, daily sacrifice. So he says, present yourself, daily sacrifice. Give your bodies to God because of all he's done. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way you worship him. Verse 2 is equally important. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Which means that when I get into his presence and I'm staying on the altar, I'm staying on the altar, you know, I have altar moments at my house all the time. Not because I'm so, such a holy person or, or, you know, me and God have coffee every morning and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm big time spiritual. No, I have altar moments with God every day because I want to stay sensitive to those around me. And I want God to be able to flow through me. And the power and the glory of God can only flow through those that are dead. Remember, I shared last week, no one has seen God and lived. So if you're seeing him, that means that you're, you're experiencing some death. That living sacrifice, Paul said it this way. He said, I die daily. Daily I'm dying. Daily. I get a conversation with my neighbor, and, or I get in conversation with my wife, or I get in conversation with my kids, or my brother, or whoever. And I, or, like we were talking Wednesday night, if I'm driving and that spirit of road rage wants to get on me, you know, I got to die. They cut me off, and now... <laughs> and have you been on 295, and then somebody's trying to pass you, and you're in the passing lane, and you're driving maybe too slow? So they come up on you real close, almost like they're going to hit you. You're like, oh, oh, good, I'm in the room? Okay, good. So they come up like that, and it's like, okay, give me a minute, give me a minute. And then you move over, and then you move over. And how many of you are so tempted to take a look? You got to die. And, and listen, I got to talk out loud. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me not to take that look. Does it stop there? No. It changed my thinking now, says, well, maybe they're in an emergency. Maybe they're in a rush. Man, maybe something's happened. So who knows what the reason is? And then, Lord bless them. Help them not to get into an accident. Help them not to get to an accident. Help them to slow down before a police officer sees them so they don't get a ticket. Because where are they? They might be in a crazy place financially. See how it begins to blossom when your thinking starts to change. Now you write that script for every scenario. We have to die daily. Somebody comes at you with something and says something to you. You know, now you're ready to be offended. You're ready to be offended. Holy Spirit, I want to submit to you. I climb up on the altar. Help me to die to this. I want your motive. I want your way. I want your will. See, he wants us to live like this. So you can't have revival. The height of your revival is going to be determined by the height of your repentance. And if your repentance is way down here, your revival is going to be down there. What is revival? God consciousness. 
But when your repentance is always there, that's why I share with you, I, I try to live in a state of repentance. Always, Lord, what, what, what do you say? Ah, you know what, Lord, I completely often, you're thinking something totally different. You know, I, t I turn my heart to you. Help me to see it. Help me to see it your way. Galatians 2.20 says, for I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life, here's the practical part, the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's all about sacrifice. So when Jesus says, I only do those things that please the Father, you're going to really catch it when you see me lifted up on the cross. When you see the Son of Man lifted up, then you will know, I only do those things that he says, and I only say those things that he says. That's all I do. And if that river is going to get into our communities, it's there because God has filled us up in such a way where we say, Lord, no more I but you. I sacrifice myself. I give myself. John Wesley, major revivalist back in the day, they asked him, what do you do and prepare? He said, I set myself on fire and I allow people to come and watch me burn. I set myself on fire on fire with God's love, on fire with God's grace. In order for that to happen, there has to be death. There has to be sacrifice, sacrifice. And so I just want to, I want to, I, I was talking on Wednesday about uh, Billy Graham. Billy Graham, I used to watch him on Channel 17 when I was a little boy. And uh, he'd get to the end of his teaching and he'd just stand there and, and they'd sing this song. And then they'd come to the altar in droves because they found out about the Father's love. So it's real, real quick. I want to sing this song that led me to the altar. And don't be embarrassed about coming to the altar. Be, be desperate to give God sacrifice. And this altar moment is just a picture of what our moments should be all the time. Just as... I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me, and that you bid me come to thee, O Lamb. Of God I come, I come, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And that you bid me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I whether you came all the way down to the altar or whether you're just at your chair, if you stayed at your chair, then just lean on the bench in front of you. 
some kind of form of sacrifice. I'm, I'm bowing. I'm bowing down to you. I'm bowing. I'm, I want to get low. I want to get low in your presence. I want to get low. I want to get low. When the priests would go and offer sacrifices for the children of Israel, once a year they'd offer sacrifices and they'd go in. They weren't walking in standing up. They were walking in. They were crawling, crawling in. They wanted to get as low as they could. They didn't want any flesh to be seen. No flesh. There's no flesh with glory in his, in his sight and in his presence. Bible says he gives grace to the humble, to the humble. For the Christian, humility is the secret sauce. And so wherever you are in the room, let your heart come. Saying, God, I give you everything. I give you everything. I give you everything, everything, everything. Kill it. Kill my wrong mood, kill my wrong motives, kill, kill those wrong urges in my body, in my emotions, kill it, Lord. The thoughts that I shouldn't be thinking, I place up on the altar. I put it all up there. I put words that I say up there, gossiping words, slanderous words. Words that injure people. I, I put them on the altar, Lord. Burn it off. Kill it off. I give myself to you as a sacrifice. Any level of pride, any level of cockiness, I begin to look down on others because of my education, because of my financial situation, because of my family status and my family name. Lord, I lay it on the altar. Because of my experience and I look down on others, Lord, I lay it on the altar. Come, 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 Lord, come, Lord. I lay on the altar that I'm the best Christian out there, that my way of seeing God is the best way out there. I look down on other people, Father, we put it on the altar. Wrong ways that I've been treating my wife. Wrong ways I've been treating my husband. I put it on the altar. I put it on the altar. I come, I come. I come, I come. I come, I come. I come, I come. I come, I come, I come. I will give you all my worship i will give you all 